What's up and welcome to the Very Best Self Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Brown. Tune in each week as I have candid conversations with inspiring humans, including athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and anyone out there making waves. Get ready to leave your comfort zone behind, step into your power, and live a more purpose-driven life. I am so happy that you're here. Now let's do this. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. It's me, it's VB, it's your girl, Victoria Brown. Um, so welcome back to the Very Best Self podcast. And today I have a really exciting guest on. I have Dr. Marielle Bouquet. And so she is a holistic psychologist. She is an intergenerational trauma expert, uh, mental health ex- expert as well, professor at Columbia. And in addition to all of that, uh, she is into meditation and sound bath healing. She is a healer extraordinaire in every way, shape, and form. And so really, I, I think t- today a lot of what today is about is intergenerational trauma, right? So this is something that I myself was interested in, but definitely do not know a lot about, which is why it was it was very eye-opening to have this discussion with her today to be, you know, with this expert that she is. Um, she's absolutely brilliant. Uh, but it's it's understanding that the way that we show up in the world is a lot of times for specific reasons, um, things that happened, you know, before we were born and things that are passed down and things that happen once we become earthside, if you will. Uh, and so it's an interesting conversation to understanding who we are. And of course, the more we understand who we are, which is a never ending journey, um, you know, the, the better we can show up in, in the world. And so I think that's why, why we're all here, right? Why we, uh, listen to this podcast. Um, and on her website, uh, she has a quote, that is our humanity comes in layers, which is why healing must be done multidimensionally, um, which I also find to be very true. So this is another kind of peeling back the layer moment uh, on the healing that we all have to do sometimes. And sometimes we don't even realize that we have to do. So I think that's about it. Let's get into it. Here we go. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Very Best Self podcast. It's me, it's Victoria Brown, and I am so honored, so excited to have Dr. Marielle Bouquet on today. So she's a holistic psychologist. She is an intergenerational trauma expert. She's a mental health expert, a professor at Columbia. And in addition to all of that, she is a girl after my own heart who loves meditation and sound baths. So thanks so much for being on today. It's such an honor to be with you. Thank you, Victoria, for having me. Thank you. Um, I am just, I'm excited for this conversation. I think it's an important one. I think it's an exciting one. I think, um, especially, you know, this episode coming out still in the beginning of the year. Uh, and there's just so much, I think, unresolved traumas that we're all carrying around with us. And so I teach breath work, um, as well. So I, I get into that kind of a lot with the unresolved traumas that we're, like I said, carrying around with us. And, and you are just just like the expert to talk about that. Um, but I guess before we get into all of that, I'm just curious about your your own personal journey, your own personal story. So what led you to become someone who really just devotes your life to healing and helping others heal? Yeah, I mean, I, I have definitely um, thought about this question many times over throughout my own journey, throughout my training. 
Um, and as I evolved as a clinician and, and a healer, because um, I think it's a necessary question to to really um, pose upon ourselves as we're in, in this journey uh, towards helping others and holding space. And um, what has come to me is that I do believe that I have been operating as a healer for a very long time, even well before I got the PhD, well before I even contemplated it. Um, I do feel like there were many moments in my life where I was holding space, even as I was a child, a very highly intuitive child, um, just holding space and not really knowing um, that that could even be something that uh, could be structured as a profession. Um, but the the moments when I actually started developing the idea of this being something that I could do, um, they came from two specific places. So one place was I just volunteered a lot in my hometown of Newark, New Jersey, and I started um, volunteering more and more in places that required some sort of help with mental health related conundrums, right? And so it, I think that my path just led me into those places where I was able to just lend a helping hand uh, to people that really needed help in this way. And then um, simultaneously, I started going to therapy myself for the very first time. And it was because it was a recommendation from a friend, colleague that I had at that time. And she said, you know, I, I really enjoy it. It's helped me so much. I've been in therapy for 10 years. Why don't you give it a try? Um, and, and when I went into therapy myself, the therapist that I had at that time said that I would make a great therapist and I should probably follow the profession. So um, I took a leap of faith at that moment and um, transitioned into being a full-time student within two years or so. So that's really kind of where the whole journey started. Now, like, you know, eight years uh, of schoolwork beyond that, then I finally got my degree because it's a very long journey. But um, but I, I do believe it started in those two places. Right. I think it's so funny isn't the word. It's it's serendipitous how we find ourselves, I think, sometimes in these spaces and these places where we're just like, oh, this feels good. Like this, mm -hmm. I like this. I should do more of this because it feels good to yeah. me to be in this space. And and speaking of the word space, I'm just curious from your perspective, uh, because I've actually never talked about it on the podcast before, but the term holding space or the phrase holding space is something that's a super popular thing to say in the wellness space and in the wellness arena. Um, what do you define personally holding space to mean? I believe that holding space is really creating an environment where a person can feel psychologically safe. So that is the most important criteria that uh, we need to consider as healers that are holding space for other individuals. And holding psychological safety or a space that can embody that also requires that we do the work ourselves in order to ensure that what the energy that we're bringing in, the expertise that we're bringing in, um, that all of it is has been already examined enough mm -hmm. Uh, so that we can know, okay, this is what holding space looks like. This is how I can be a grounded and healthy individual in this space that I occupy with this fellow human so that they can feel like whatever it is that they need to bring to this healing space is safe here and that they're safe within it. 
So it's it's a container, I guess, if you will. And and we can exactly. all hold space even if we don't have a psychology degree, but correct, like for our friends and people who are listening who need to hold space for someone else, it, it's really about listening and creating a safe space. Yeah. And it's also about, you know, um, especially with family and friends and people that we have in our lives, like offering validation, um, tempering our critique, right? Like mm. being able to understand what are the things that can be a barrier to creating that psychological safety for this person and what are the things that can enhance it? Yeah, that makes sense. And so I guess how important is therapy? I guess that's a good topic to get into <laughs> as well because it's it's the beginning of the year. And I think for me, I feel like a lot of people think like I'm good right now. Everything is good in my life. So like I don't need therapy because I should only go to therapy if everything is, you know, on fire. Like that's the time to go to therapy. So it, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's always a good time to go to therapy. I have seen people come to therapy for myself, colleagues, the works myself, even um, having gone, you know, through different iterations of therapy for the sake of just evolving yourself as a human, right? Getting into the depths of who you are, getting to know yourself better, really extracting the things that bring you joy, right? Sometimes we we can have a little bit of trouble, like finding that within ourselves, and you know, using a little guidance never hurt anybody, right? So, um, I may be a biased party in saying that, you know, therapy is something that everyone that can and wishes to get into should get into. Um, but I, I have seen so much of the benefit of therapy from both sides of the couch. And it makes it so that I, I feel like um, I hold like a very strong sentiment around how much therapy can actually help each individual, whether it's these new year goals that people are like trying to, you know, kind of stick out, or if it's something that feels just a little bit more um, deep and, and um, filled with heaviness and pain, whatever it is that is, is bringing you to a space where you feel like therapy can be the, the best modality to utilize for your own wellness. And by all means, please do it. Yeah. I just, I agree with all of that. And I just, I guess I just wanted to speak on it. Um, just or hear you speak on it rather. Um, just top of show because I don't know, like I know for me personally, uh, you know, I feel like there were some things I wanted to fix in my life, but when I started going to therapy, it wasn't like there was a giant fire that I felt like I needed to put out. And, and I know that it just helped me in so many ways. Um, yeah. And I like what you said, you know, in terms of these goals that we want to succeed at as well, because you don't realize like how incredibly helpful it can be in every area of your life to help you just succeed if you're someone who's setting goals and wants to achieve. So uh -huh. um, yeah. it, just, it opens up so much that you might not have realized that you're actually holding on to. Because we bury things so deep down and we walk around and we just like face the world and face all of our friends and our relationships in a certain way uh, that we don't realize can be caused by something else, which we peel back the layers of in therapy. Um, and so I know that kind of leads me to what you are really just an expert in and these traumas that we a lot of us walk around with, um, which are traumas sometimes from our own personal life. And then what you are an expert in is intergenerational traumas. So mm -hmm. I'd love for you to talk about what an intergenerational trauma is exactly. Because I don't know if a lot of people yeah. know about it. I don't know. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the the terminology itself, I think it gives a little bit of a hint, right? But mm-hmm. but the, the full complexity of what intergenerational trauma is, I don't think as a society, we've really fully caught up. So really what intergenerational trauma is, mm-hmm. is the type of trauma that happens as a result of being handed down trauma down a person's lineage, right? So that can be, um, mostly it's, you know, through the generations, meaning that it's a person's parents that had experienced trauma and that trauma tans- transcended onto your generation. It means that very likely your parents' parents also experienced some level of trauma, that their parents experienced some level of trauma. And then we go through the generations of different iterations of trauma that then transcended into the now, right? Um, and really it, the way that it works is that it it operates from this place of nature and nurture, right? I call it that because I think we all can get a sense of what nature and nurture is from some other sciences. And really the nature side is that there are some genetic expressions or components that we know are a part of this intergenerational trauma, right? That there are ways in which stress becomes overproduced in the body as, and, and it releases certain hormones that then creates gene expressions that then makes it so that a person's gene expressions are then translated into their children's gene expressions. Oh, wow. And that, that's more of the, the, the nature side, right? The biological side. And then we have the more sociological, psychological side, which is the nurture side, which is everything that happens basically post-birth. So you enter the world and then what happens if you have a mother that is in her own trauma and probably um, predisposed to irritability or angry outbursts and you're a child or a baby, you're experiencing a lot of this uh, chaotic um you know, anger or the environment that isn't necessarily nurturing because your mother is just so into her own trauma and into her own depression. And then you're going to be someone who now is victimized yet again by the trauma that wasn't reconciled in the generation that your mother belongs to. And so that's basically kind of the nitty gritty of intergenerational trauma, if you may. Wow. That is deep. So like the environment in which your mother is living in while you're in the womb Mm -hmm. is present with us when we're born because of the level, her level of like hormones and cortisol and all of that that's running through her system. So man, that's stressful on a mom to try to for nine months to not ever get stressed out. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Um, And the thing that we have to consider for sure is that, you know, we're talking mostly about chronic stress. So um, stress is actually lots of stress over time, acute stress, the type of stress that a person experiences when they feel like their life is in danger or they feel as though... um, there is something that is within their life that could call for a profound loss, right? There's someone that they may be losing or they may be losing a job, something that is a a tangible, sort of say trauma, right? Like Because trauma, as I like to explain it, is the presence of high stress. And that high stress or stress that is um, present for a long period of time is not matched with the coping mechanisms that are needed. Why? Because the stress is just way too high for any human being to be able to cope in that moment. Some of the things that we tend to do is just cope in other more um, 
in other ways that maybe aren't as helpful or that are just evolutionary inside of the body, the ways that humans just know how to cope. Um, but it doesn't necessarily take away the, the possibility of us experiencing trauma. Okay. So fast forward. Now we are adults. How do we know that some of our, our learned behaviors are due to past traumas? How do we recognize that? in ourselves? Because I think a lot of us, we just were walking around and we react the way that we react or we are stressed. You know, we have our certain triggers that were, you know, things that upset us and we don't really know the root cause, but I guess you go to therapy and that's how you figure out the root cause. But, um, (laughs) you know, how do you just even know that? And then Mm -hmm. what are some tips and tricks to, to move beyond it when we realize we're experiencing that? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. And you're right, you know, through therapy, there is a way to excavate the actual ways in which trauma has presented its way itself into your life and into the life of, of your family members. Uh, however, I think now more than ever, we're starting to navigate this world of trauma responses. Um, for the moments that we're living in right now, there are very many examples of what trauma responses look like for any one of us. And every time that a trauma response does show up, a person is able to then enter into a point of reflection and say, you know what, that's a trauma response. Where did I learn that from? Oh yeah, I actually remember that my father, whenever he would feel overwhelmed and high levels of stress or whenever he would lose a job, which would be a number of times throughout my childhood, he would go into extreme with, withdrawal. We just, we wouldn't be able to speak to him. He would be completely um, gone or physically gone or emotionally gone and just not present, right? And then if you start reflecting on the ways that you start to withdraw whenever you feel extreme stress, you start connecting the dots. But it means that we have to learn, one, what trauma responses are and be attuned to the multiple iterations of trauma responses and how they can show up in our lives and start really understanding the ways in which they showed up originally, wherever we may have seen them, however they may may have been modeled inside of our homes, especially. Yeah. It's just all so interesting to think about. Um, I think I've said it now like a million times already in this short time, but it's just, I feel like I can't help but feel like just so many of us are walking around and not knowing that we have these responses to certain behaviors around us. And mm-hmm. I think it's just, that's why I feel like this episode is is so powerful because when we find ourselves in the midst of, you know, our low points, when we find ourselves, you know, the, the bathroom floor moments, or just when you feel like this, you know, immense amount of emotion that might come up or anger, like if it's sadness or anger, whatever it is, you know, there's a reason typically behind all of that. And mm-hmm. we can learn to respond to these you know, difficult situations uh, by understanding the root cause and where they come from. And uh-huh. yeah, I think like, you know, you said it's it's important to go to therapy, but we can also kind of dissect some of that on our own just by interrupting the patterns when we find ourselves in them and then kind of going tracking backwards and asking ourselves questions like, where does this come from? Why am I feeling this way? You know, and just uh-huh. continue to unpack it in that way. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think um, that's going to be the more important part, right? The the work that people are able to do for themselves and by themselves is going to be so much more important than any work that can be done in the therapeutic context. And the reason being is because you only spend 45 minutes with a therapist a week. 
the rest of those minutes, however many minutes we have in a week, you're spending with yourself. It's you and your mind, right? And so you have to make use of that time and create within that time whatever healing strategies or mechanisms you're able to gather either from your therapist or from other resources um, in order to actually do the work. Um, and in addition to that, you know, there are people that just don't have access to therapy for whatever mm-hmm. reason, right? There, I mean, we're talking about the U.S. context, but if we take it internationally, places like even the U.K., right, like have a completely different system around right. mental health and right. Canada, the same, right? And so, and I'm talking about these worlds that, you know, it's sort of like mirror the U.S. in certain ways. If you take it outside of, you know, even these countries, we're talking about a lot of variability. And so it makes all the more sense for people to actually enact healing mechanisms within their homes, healing mechanisms within their routines that have nothing to do with therapy, but that can mirror or emulate, you know, therapeutic methods so that they can do the work on a continuous basis. Right. I love that. Um, I mean, just to share like on a personal note, because I always try to share personal story a little bit throughout this podcast, just for, you know, relatability purposes as well. But, you know, Uh I struggle a lot and have for for a long time with like feeling a sense of abandonment at times. And it doesn't show up that often where it gets to a really like dark place. But when it does, it takes me a while And I might find myself, you know, feeling sad or crying or even at to some extremes having a panic attack myself. Um, And then it's like I reel it back in and I realize, oh, I know what's happening. I am Mm -hmm. feeling this way because I feel a void and I feel like I'm not lovable. This person's going to leave me. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not enough. Um, and the abandonment comes in. You know, for me, it's like, okay, I have to say to myself, like, I am safe. I am okay. And, you know, you, you have to be your own kind of cheerleader. And these are things that work for me. So it's not something that I'm saying works for everybody. Um, but over time, I've been able to figure out that it is a fear of abandonment. And it's something mm-hmm. I work through on a personal note. But for anyone out there mm-hmm. who, like you said, it's hard sometimes to access therapy, um, finding your own healing mechanisms, right? And there's an abundance. You have a newsletter that you send out once once a month, I think, or once a week, maybe even. Once um, a week, yeah. And once a week <laughs> that has tips and tricks on how to kind of go through all of this. Uh, and so you can mm-hmm. sign up for all of these things that are free out there, um, including what you yourself put out there. So, mm-hmm. um, and it, it is a lot of the time inherited uh, from our parents, uh, from when we're in the womb, like you said, uh, when we become earthside and then experiences that we have as children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so powerful what you just said, you know, in reference to you being able to show up for yourself. Those are the moments when, you know, self-love is so prominent, like to actually take a moment and say, what do you need right now? What is this? What's going on? Can we explore it together? Almost as if you're like two people in one, right? Um, there's a beauty in that. And I think that is more of what we need to carry within us on a day-to-day basis, right? That that we can in, at any moment, for whatever reason, show up for ourselves and talk to ourselves in a gentle tone and just look for the things that we need and look to explore and get curious about what's going on. Yeah. Self-love. Self love, mm-hmm. self compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've been talking about also on your Instagram, it is healing season. 
yes. so let's talk about it's, healing season. I mean, I feel like healing season is always in season, like it's now and it's <laughs> always, but like, what exactly do you mean by healing season and what's the power mm-hmm. behind that? Yeah. So, you know, I, um, I started reflecting on the fact that I've been in this social media space for five years now. Um, and it's been five years of learning. I have alongside a lot of the individuals that have been willing to be in community with me, been talking a lot about mental health, right? Like, what is it? What are the signs? What are the different criteria, you know, surrounding mental wellness and mental unwellness? Mm. And I think, you know, I have seen, okay, my community especially feels like we have the language. Like it feels like we are in the know, we know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so it, I felt like, you know, what, what stuck out to me is, you know, just something that came to mind uh, was that I wanted to provide more healing tools rather than just talking about the things that are not going right. Let's talk about the ways to rectify the mind and rectify the heart and, and, and shift directions and, you know, just shift gears so that we can come out of this era that we're all in, right? This, this global crisis and, and all of these multiple traumas that we're all experiencing all at once so that we can come out of that with an abundance of tools. And so that's why I started telling everybody, hey, it's healing season. Like, let's do this. And it came out of a post that I did, a reel on, on IG and on TikTok. Um, and I was like, so what do y'all say? It's healing season? And everybody's like, yeah, it's healing season. Let's do this. Uh, so I, I just, I, I fed off of the excitement and I started producing more content that was very specifically geared towards coping skills and how to do this work. I love it. I love it. I love it. I mean, once again, us walking through the world, not realizing that we are processing trauma. Um, mm-hmm. But it's this global pandemic is like, you know, we have thrown the word normal out of the window completely. And or is it still in the frame? Because the new it's just the new normal constantly normal. And we just consider these things the, like the fact that we were locked in our homes for however many months. And we just considered that normal at some point. And then we went back into the world. And we're like, Okay, I'm just supposed to do this now. Like, it's easy. Like, it's not. It wasn't, you know, that was a giant giant shift. And I think people just convince themselves that like, okay, I'm just going to do this now, or I'm going to do that now. But it was like, I don't know, there's a lot of healing to be done, Mm -hmm. especially I want to say kids. I mean, I think it's been hard for everyone at every age, but I just can't imagine kids who've been kind of locked, who were locked in the house and now having to emotionally evolve as a child and uh, mentally evolve and all of that, and then be flung back into the world. It's just, it's a lot. So mm-hmm. understanding we are healing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you bring children up for sure, because um, even the more basic things that uh, that have to do with how we relate as human beings are being stripped away from especially the younger ones, right? Like little, little ones, like anywhere from babies to toddlers, even to, you know, just... Um, children that are in, you know, middle school, they're still trying to orient themselves around the world in a sensory way. Mm-hmm. They, they're still attuning to mirror neurons and the ways in which a person smiles. Their, their full smile, not their mass smile. And just, you know, you see their eyes and you know the person's smiling, but the fullness of a person's smile can be reflected and mirrored as a place of safety, a place of comfort, humor, right? Like they're missing these social cues. 
And so we don't really know what that's going to look like just yet, you know, for this generation, and even if it's going to have any impact at all. But it is something that, you know, is being stripped away from, especially the little ones who are still developing socially and getting a sense of who people are and, and you know, not seeing a reflection of authentic human expression. Yeah, for sure. And it also makes me, this is off topic, but on topic at the same time, um, just thinking about kids and siblings and how we're so sometimes different from our siblings. And just, I, I can't really get over, I'm still just processing what you were saying about how we deal with the traumas that our parents are dealing with while they're pregnant with us. But like, it's also a big reason why I think not just our astrological signs, if you're into that kind of thing, but like the environment in which your parents were actually like the world they were living in um, might be very different from like you to your sibling, which I just find to be mm-hmm. super interesting. Like I know when my mom was pregnant with me, she was a single 27 year old and she was living, you know, at home with her mom. And I think there was probably a lot of nurture in that environment. She was, you know, mm-hmm. just at home. And that was the the situation. Was it stressful? Yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> I'm not saying it wasn't, but I know she had a lot of help. Um, and I guess when I think about it, I'm like, there must've been, there were a lot of females around um, when I was mm-hmm. in the womb. So just thinking about that and then thinking about my sister and the environment in which she, it just is interesting to think about. That's off mm-hmm. topic, but on topic. <laughs> yeah. But those are all the details that really do matter. And when we're doing any sketching around a family unit, right? When we're doing building out family trees and getting a sense of what has your family looked like from the moment that, you know, whomever is the eldest person in your family that exists now, or that at least you have a story about from the moment that they were born until, you know, whatever moment you can recount, can you let us know, like, you know, any kind of details and all those details get factored into, the family constellation, the orientation around family life and an understanding of fully what has this family looked like and in what ways have you internalized any of the uh, experiences that, that were had, whether you were already present on earth or if you were, you know, um, still not conceived and con- concepted in any way, right? But um, it's it, it, all those details really do matter. And so um, it, it's great that you're bringing it up because I think it offers anyone who's listening an opportunity to think about even something that they may have thought would have never been related, but truly can be. Yeah. It gives me so much perspective and so much understanding to maybe, you know, I think just like extend kindness or extend more understanding to, you know, friends of mine or, you know, my mother's siblings or um, her step siblings or even my own sister to think about like, oh, okay, well, maybe they are this way because they, you know, this was their environment when they were coming up and it was different than mm-hmm. mine. And so it just gives you perspective and understanding to extend more kindness to to people around you. And that there's a lot that, I mean, there's a lot of people can't, they don't see or maybe can't control or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or haven't worked through. So yeah. I find that too. Yeah, Really interesting. Um, Okay, Mm -hmm. so I will ask you one more question, which is what is the best piece of advice that you would give to a younger version of you? Younger Mario. You know, I, I would tell her to look within herself more than what she would look to the outside world for 
feedback on who she needs to be. Uh, I think right now it's an ongoing day-to-day practice for me. So it's become so default for me to be internally attuned. Um, But it has been something that for decades was not there. And in part, I think it's socialization. I think we as a society definitely um, socialize each other to believe that external validation holds a lot of weight, um, that we need to, you know, uh, be attuned to how people are giving us the thumbs up or thumbs down in order to feel good about ourselves and, or in order to take any direction in life. Um, and I can say with certainty that when I intuitively go with my gut on things, especially these days, I feel like it always turns out in my favor and it feels good to me because I, you know, I, I stood on my own and I wish that I would have learned that earlier in life for sure. So, I love that. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for sharing that. Um, and I couldn't yeah. agree more. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. All right. Well, Dr. Mario, it was such an honor to have you on. So thank you so much for all of your sharing all of your brilliant wisdom with all of us and really just opening my eyes to so many things that I feel like I never really kind of thought about before. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right, you guys. I I told you. I told you. I told you. I told you. Um, this would be an eye-opening episode. Really interesting topic, if you ask me. Super, super interesting. And yeah, like I said, just eye-opening because there's so much, like you don't know what you don't know because you don't know it. You don't know that you don't know it. You know what I mean? And like, that's why we dive into these so many different topics around just mental health because there's a million different layers to mental health. One million different layers. And that means it can only mean one thing, that there's a million different layers to becoming your very best self. And that's why we're here. That's why we tune in. That's why we do this, um, to continue to connect with our very best selves. And so Dr. Marielle really just, I don't know, gave me a lot of perspective today and maybe gave you a lot of perspective to understanding some of the people around you, or maybe even if you're lucky, understanding yourself, um, just tips and tricks to move beyond trauma and to cope. And especially when we don't even realize that that we are experiencing trauma. Um, So emotionally, physically, otherwise, whatever it is, right? So it's just about getting stronger. It's always about getting stronger. It's about just peeling back our layers and understanding that strength is a choice. We are strong when we decide that we are strong. And what that means is that we are willing to do the work. And something I always say is that the work works if you do. The work works if you do. So if anything we talked about today resonated with you in any way, shape, or form, please share this episode with someone that you love, right? Because it could be the key that someone else needs to unlock something that they're dealing with, right? So if it resonated with you, chances are it probably might resonate with someone else too. So please share this episode. And uh, while you're at it, make sure you give us five stars. Definitely hit that review button if you got a few moments and leave us a nice review and subscribe, of course. Um, So thanks for tuning in today. I will see you next week. Uh, for the very best self podcast next episode. I'm Victoria Brown and uh, I'll see you next time.